0: The one who bothers is God. We haven't bothered with God. He is the one that bothers with us. Um, in the, from the very first beginning in the Bible, in chapter 3 of Genesis, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, um, we, we hear of the first man and the first woman, uh, the so-called so Adam and Eve, very famous, uh, in the Garden of Eden. And um, there we with God. But they, they decide to, to disobey God. They, they decide, you know, we had enough, we'll, we'll do it our way. Um, what did they do right after that? They, they hide from God. Um, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? It is quite clear that the one who is interested in us, in bothering with us, is God. Um, we, we would rather take care of ourselves than, than bother about God. Um, now, in, in another book of the Bible, the book of Isaiah, um, God gives us a picture of Himself uh, that touches a lot on, on this why bother um, and he, he explains um, who, is the, who is the real one who is bothering with whom um, I'd like to, to show it to you it says I, this, is, this is God talking about himself I reveal myself to those who did not ask for me I was found by those who did not seek me to a nation that did not call on my name I said, here am I, here am I. All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imagination. Now stop and consider this, this, this picture of God. What, what kind of God is this? What, how, how does God depict himself? He says, I reveal myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. Now, the words, I reveal myself, um, are particularly important. God is claiming that regardless of whatever nationality, ethnicity, culture, language, whatever, He has made it clear that He is seeking you, that He is interested in you, and and that He loves you. It's a, a universal call. Um, now, to understand the significance of this, we, we have to compare how does he treat us and how do we treat him. Um, we, we couldn't care less about God. We, we, we are not there calling God every, every morning. We, we are not there um, you know, asking him to come to us. The truth is that, that for, for most of us, God is just too inconvenient in our life. Uh, no, and and, and no, one's want, no one wants to be accountable to God. In fact, no one wants to be accountable to anyone. We like and we want to be our own God. We want to be the ones in charge. But, but this tells us that even though we don't want Him, He wants us. He's looking for us. It says, All day long I have held out my hand to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good pursuing their own imagination. Now, I used to play uh, this game with my brother when we were, when we were kids um, and it was to, to hold your hands and stretch them um, and see who, who would you know quit, quit, who would be the first one to quit. Um, I don't know if you've played this game, it's rather stupid, but, but you, you will soon realize that, I think if I remember well, you can't stand it more than 10 minutes, it is so painful. Now, I don't know the physics and all that. Maybe Peter can tell us you know, why the blood. Or, but it is so painful. And God is telling us, He's out there holding His hands towards us, calling us all day long. Well, I don't know. That blows my mind. But well, th- think about it. God has created the world. He has created us. And He says that He has done that we're not just another animal. He says we're special. He, he has put His image and He has made us in His likeness. That means something like we're spiritual, we're moral, we, we are relational, we are creative, and so on. Those are things that God is and, and we, we share that. We're special. And, and, and the most important thing is that He has created us. To relate to him, to be in friendship with him, to be as we've sung, a, a father, and we were talking about Father's Day. He is the father, and we are the children. That's that. That's the context. That's that's why we, we created. Yet we ignore him and we reject him. We are the ones that should be saying, "Hey, I'm sorry. You know, can I come to you? I'm sorry, I forgive. Could you forgive me?" But this is saying he is the one saying hey, come to me. I forgive you. Come to me. I'm seeking you. I love you. Um, it's just simply ridiculous. It's totally upside down. Um, now it says that we're an obstinate people who walk in ways not good pursuing their own imagination. That's, that's kind of a strong statement. Um, but let, let's think about it. What is keeping us from 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 God, why are we ignoring God? Well, we are doing that because we're more interested in other things. Um, we, we We're interested in our own careers we 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 kind of we create other things that are more important to God. And according to this, what we do is we create an other gods that replace God. So we bow down to things like, Like uh, money and what we can get with money, or fame, or or sexual pleasure, or we bow down to stones, stars, cards, anything. Whatever you do, but anything that you do that is not God is pursuing your own imagination. It's not the real thing. And the problem is that because it's not the real thing, it's not going to fill you. The only thing that is going to fill you is God. And he knows that, and that is why he is bothering to come to you, because he knows that what you need is him. After all, he created you. Now, this is a picture to summarize what Isaiah is saying. God depicts Himself as a God who reveals Himself even when we haven't asked for it. who six people who were not looking for Him. Who makes a fool of himself by holding up his hand saying, Here I am. And who loves us in spite of us consciously ignoring him and going our own way, making our own gods because we don't like him. Now, you would say, Well, well Andy, okay, I, I, I could agree. It's, it's true we go our own way, we, we like to be the number one in our lives. Um, yeah, I, I agree. You know, That kind of God sounds great. If that is true, that sounds great. I like a God like that. He's looking after me. He wants me. But to tell you the truth, I, I don't see the world like this. I, I don't see a God out there who is calling me. I mean honestly, I, I don't get an email every morning in my inbox saying, Hi, I'm God. Here I am. I love you. You know, yours faithfully God. I, I I don't get that every morning. So how does God reveal himself? How, how is he holding his hands like that? Because I don't see it. Um, in the New Testament, uh, a New Testament writer uh, says the following thing. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. God speaks in many ways and in various ways. He speaks through nature. Uh, You look at nature and it speaks of an awesome creator. God speaks to us from within ourselves. Our conscience tells us that we are accountable to someone or something and that there is a right and a wrong. And God has also chosen people throughout history who have delivered his, his message. And those have been recorded throughout centuries in what we have today as the Bible. But there is one particular way in which God has revealed himself that exceeds by far all of them. And that is that he has come down to us. He has come to our earthly doorstep, so to speak. Uh, to reveal himself and he has done that in the person of Jesus Christ in John 14.9 some people were asking Jesus Jesus, can you show us God and what does he say he says if you have seen me you have seen the father what if you have seen me you have seen the Father. What is he saying? He's saying that he is in very nature God. Hello, I am God. You see me, you see God. And actually, in Isaiah, the book we were reading, there is, there is um, a text written 600 years before Christ that talks about Jesus and calls him Immanuel. Now, Emmanuel is a very nice name uh, in English, but if you look at the Hebrew, it's quite weird. It means God with us. He's talking about Jesus. And he calls him God with us. Jesus comes down to bring us God. Um, now, this is this is very unique. Let me just take it off. Uh, this is very unique to any religion. No one has ever claimed to be God. You see, if you... Let's take, for example, Buddhism and, and Islam. And I don't mean to be pejorative here, just to make a point of, of these um, if you If you take Buddha out of Buddhism, and you say, well, another guy brought Buddhism, Buddhism would still hold as it is. Because Buddha was just the messenger. He wasn't the message. Similarly, Mohammed... You know he just happened to be the, the historical person to be there to receive the special revelation it could have been anyone uh, Islam holds if you take if you just change the person but with Christ, that is not the case with Christ is different he is the message he is not telling us the message he is the message now. If you, you simply cannot take Christ out of Christianity. Actually, if you take Christ out of the word Christian, um, you're left with the letters I-A-N, and Ian is not going to be able to help you. <laughs> you cannot take Christ out of Christianity, because He is the message. Now, we have seen before that, that God is telling us, okay. I love you. So he reveals himself in Christ. You may say, Okay, I'll grant that. But, how is Christ telling me, I love you? How is Christ telling me, you know, every day, uh, I I love you. I I really love you. I'm I'm here for you. The highest point in history where God has displayed his love for you and me is on the cross where Jesus stretched his arms as far as he could on the cross. So God reveals him God says here I am with his arms and he does it through Christ and He says I love you and He does it on the cross with Christ. At the cross God was shouting as loud as possible. I love you. What Christ was doing was paying for you and me. He was offering his life for you and me. I don't know if you've seen the movie um, by Mel Gibson, The Passion the Passion of the Christ. Um, it's, a, it's a very impacting movie, bloody, hard to watch, but it is actually based on the, the historical facts of, of uh, the, the torture and execution of Jesus. Um, now, one of the practices that the Roman soldiers did when they nailed the person to the cross um, is that they would, they would stretch their arms as far as possible to inflict the, a, a greater pain on the person and also to make sure that he, he would die within a, a reasonable time because sometimes it took too long. Um, so... What they, what happened many times is that they pulled so much that they would actually dislocate the shoulder. And in the movie of the Passion, you can actually see that. You can see the soldier just pulling and pulling and pulling Jesus' arm until you finally, you know, hear a crack. His, his shoulder dislocates and then they nail him to the cross and they do that with both arms. When Jesus and God tells you, That he's holding out his hands, he has stretched his arms as far as possible. He really means it. He really means it, both literally and symbolically. Now, many people think that what was happening on the cross is that Jesus was suffering a lot physically, and that is true. But one of the things that the film fails to show, uh, though it tries is that the greatest pain that Jesus was going through was not so much the physical torture, but the spiritual one. Because what He was doing is that He was paying for all of our sins. On the cross, Jesus took on, every, on His body everything that has gone wrong on our body. He's taken all our wrong deeds, all our bad thoughts, all our wretched thoughts, all the things we have done, all the things we have left undone, undone that we should have done, all our failures, He was taking all of them on the cross because He loves us. He was paying for them. We deserve that payment. He was paying for it. He took into Himself all of that. And that was His, his main uh, pain, so to speak. The Bible describes this so literally and boldly that, he, that the Bible says, He became sin for us. He bore all of our sins. And the most amazing thing is that He does it freely. He wants to do it and He offers us forgiveness because the price has been paid. He has done it. He has achieved that on the cross and He offers, us, it, offers it to us. Now, this is what is called grace. It is free God has done it for you. Jesus has done it for you. And we have to be very careful here to separate what it means merit and what it means grace. Um, because merit means that you work hard and, and you earn something. But grace means that you get something as a gift, free. Many people understand salvation as, as something that you merit. You, you work for it. Um, I don't know if you, you know the story of um, of James. James, James is driving to the center of town, he's going to what is perhaps the, the, the best uh, job interview he, he'll have in his life. So he's super excited, he's driving, um, and he, when he gets to the center, he, he gets lost in a traffic jam. And he's, he's, he, when he gets to the area where he's supposed to park, he's, he's just going round and round trying to f- find a parking, um, but he just can't. So. Eventually, he realizes he's going to be late. He's going to be late, he's going to miss this job interview, this is the failure of his life. So he stops the car after doing everything, everything possible in his hands. He looks at the sky and says, God, please, please, I, I, I beg you, give me a parting spot. Look, I'll, I, I'll quit drinking. I promise, I promise, I'll quit drinking, I'll, I'll quit sleeping around, I'll, I'll even go to church every Sunday. But please, Give me a parking spot. So, after promising all this and praying to God, he opens his eyes. He sees a parking spot in front of him. He looks up back to the sky and he says, Never mind, never mind, I just found one. Now, most people think of salvation in these terms you sacrifice something for God and He gives you something back. So, you merit what he gives you. So you scratch God's back uh, uh, by, by doing something that he likes, and he scratched your back by giving you something that you want, right? Jesus Christ was actually asked this very same question, and it, it's amazing the way he, he answered it. Um, let me show that to you. Um, there was this rich man... Okay, does not want to work? There it is. There is this rich man... Uh, that comes to Jesus and he says, Good teacher. He asks, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. This guy wants to know how to get to heaven. And he's assuming that he has to do something to get that. So in other words, when he says, What must I do? What he's actually saying is, what's my part of the bargain? And it's very interesting how Jesus answers this. He says, No one is good. Why do you call me good? The only person who is good, really good, is God. Now, we tend to compare ourselves a lot to people. If you compare yourself to, let's say, Hitler, poor Hitler, he always gets compared to... um, if you compare yourself to Hitler you, you are actually quite a good person I mean, forefront You are amazing Compared to Hitler Now, the problem is that If you compare yourself to God You start to get a little bit more in trouble Because uh, He's quite good um, Really it, You see the picture It depends to who you compare to So In other words I'm sorry, but you're your application to join the Trinity has been declined. You just don't, don't meet the basic requirements. Uh, you, you're not there. Sorry. Maybe you thought you were. Um, But, uh, so if no one can work and merit salvation, the only solution that is left for us is that someone pays for us, that someone does it for us. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross. He alone can offer you forgiveness because He has paid the price. He does it freely. You cannot merit it. There's nothing you've done. He has done it for you. And uh, He's telling you, right here and right now, God is telling you, through Christ, come. Come to me. Here I am. I love you. i I, I paid the price for you. I forgive you. Stop wasting your time in those in those imaginary things that, that you're pursuing, those illusions. They're just illusions. They're not the real thing. I am the real thing. Come to me. I'd like to invite um, Chris Oldfield. He's, he's going to tell us um, how he became a Christian. Um, and after that, we, we'll wrap up. Um, the whole thing.
1: Hello. Uh. It's quite hard to sum up something so big as this, um, but I'll try and offer a little bit of my story. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family um, where they, they credited God for everything, with a real kind of authenticity. I just looked on at that and didn't really get it, it's kind of being born in a garage didn't make you a car, right? I mean, uh, I, for me Jesus didn't really have anything to do with the way I lived. Um, uh, they took me along to a church, a kind of parish church, until I was about eight. And uh, honestly, I just remember being bored out of my brain. Um, yeah, that, that was not a good experience for me. Uh, then I started playing tennis. So I basically ditched that, and I played tennis on Sundays. So from the age of something like nine until around 17, I only went to church at kind of Christmas. Um, but I still had my family um, Very low kind of spiritual pretension, but it was always there. Uh, So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Uh, So I I kind of grew up as a normal teenager. I was having quite a good time at school, um, increasingly kind of partying and uh, enjoying that. Um, We were pretty, uh, there was a lot of banter between me and my friends at at school. We would completely take people down. I thought that was pretty cool. my brother went off to university, he came here in fact, um, and he came back and he used to drive me to school um, during my A levels. And I just remember um, there was this total contrast between uh, me and my life and him and his life. There was a kind of coherence to it. Um, he wasn't desperate for approval, he wasn't um, taking people down all the time, he wasn't comparing each other, uh, himself to others. Um, and me, as quite a uh, proud guy, um, I, I, I wanted to know why that was and why I couldn't have it. Um, so I would, uh, I would ask him questions. And gradually it became, it became obvious to me, he said, Chris, I follow Jesus. And um, he introduced me to uh, a guy called Ravi Zacharias, who's written some things, some DVDs are on the, on the side I noticed. And he introduced me to some of his, his books and his tapes and this guy described Jesus to me in a way that I'd never thought. For me, previously, he was more like an eight-year-old fairy story. You know, I wasn't sure if he knew Asterix or Christopher, Christopher Robin, but he was certainly in that camp. Um, but, but then, as I started to listen to this guy, he was talking about um, the way Jesus diagnosed what it means to be human. And I just remember feeling as if this guy Jesus from the New Testament understood me uh, he knew what it was to to, to, to be human he it, it was like a doctor, totally, totally bang on um, I, I just remember being struck by that Jesus was real, he was in tune with the real world um, a friend of mine, Steph uh, became a Christian at school and that, I'd always been able to not pay attention to my brother he was always a bit more sensible than me and when Steph became a Christian I was like, whoa what? Um, I left that when I was eight, and uh, none of that. And uh, she asked me this question, said, Chris, have you ever actually considered that this might be true, real, that God might have come into the world, but you just haven't really paid attention? And I, I just joked that off. I said, no way. Um, you know, I dealt with this when I was eight. Um, but it began to bug on me. So I asked my brother the questions, and he uh, pointed me to the questions about his resurrection Jesus is one who rose from the dead and I I, I gradually found that all my other explanations for it didn't really work I couldn't explain it away, I threw up my arms I said I don't care anymore Um, and I just left it there I said so what, this guy's risen from the dead Um, pretty much I left it uh, until one time I I came back from a party and there was the weirdest thing on TV Uh, it was Alpha, late night Alpha the course on TV I swear, I've never seen anything like it it was on seven years ago, I've never seen anything like it since but anyway, this guy on TV it's good post-party viewing by the way um, was going through all the historical stuff that I'd looked at, and the Jesus and uh, I remember writing kind of little notes because I was like, yeah, this is right, this is right and then my brother came in, chucked the notepad on the floor turned the channel with my foot I was like, I'm not watching Christian stuff but anyway, um, I turned it back on this guy had me hooked and he for the first time he explained why. He, it was like I was someone who'd been looking but never watching, you know, seeing things but never really understanding. And he said, why does someone rise from the dead? Why does someone die if they're only going to come back to life? He's doing something deliberate. And he, he said, I remember it as clear as day, he said, God loves you. And I've never heard that ever before. Um, he said that was why he died, for you. Like Andy's been saying. Um, Around that time, my tennis center packed up. They couldn't have the LTA, and so I couldn't go to that. Now I had to go to church again. Um, Because my parents wouldn't drive me like an hour away, so fair enough. Um, So I hatched this plot to basically become a Christian when I was 80. Um, I think that was a good plan. A bit like the guy on the screen, just to live for myself. And uh, I just remember one time someone at church said, um, God's always there. You just need to turn around and see him. Um, and that began to play on me. And I picked up a book, which I'm sorry, I, I've still got it. It's called Why Bother With Jesus, which is kind of funny, because that's what Andy's talking about. Um, and it was a book my parents had had on my shelf for like 20 years. And it went through these things. Bother because he's real. Bother because he loves you. Bother because he's Lord. Bother because he rose from the dead. Bother because he, 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 he he's, he's free for everybody. And all these things. And the last one, it was... Just like someone had slapped me around the face, it said, Bother because he bothered And I I just thought I had this it was like the pressure was off. I thought I was gonna have to leave leave everything and kind of work really hard for God over the rest of my life and, 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 and finally when I had no more life to live, I would give my life to him and say But these two things that Jesus loved me and that he bothered with me, I didn't know exactly who he was, I didn't know exactly what it was he'd done on the cross but I knew that this guy was incredibly significant and that even though I'd stuck my fingers up to him and said he didn't matter um, he'd deliberately come to do something for me Um, He yeah and he wanted me back so I I basically gave in red handed and I I just prayed one of those hello is this thing on God prayers um, and and I asked him to, to forgive me and uh I got baptized in 2001. So, just before I went to uni. And uh, I, I, I can just say, I've found what that lady said God's always there, you just need to turn around and see Him. I've, I've, I've found that that's really true. Um, but I'll stop there.
0: Thank you so much. That was great. Um, imagine you decided today that um, you don't want to have anything to do with me anymore in your life that's it you you cross me it's, it's something I said or the way I dress or maybe I stink or or maybe I just incredibly handsome and intelligent and you can't handle that that's always an option but you know you just you cross me off why bother with Andy I'm not going to bother with him anymore ever and um you know some years ahead of the road um Get rid of that. It won't. Okay. Some years ahead of the road. Um, you you find yourself at the party talk, talking to someone, and you you find yourself telling this person how when you were a child you had an accident and you your kidney was affected and you needed an immediate transplant. Uh, you you were going to die. You need a kidney, but there was no one around, no donor to give you a kidney, and. And pretty much you were going to die. And in the very last minute, someone uh, turned turn in uh, a kidney, who, had, who gave it freely, and, and he saved your life. Now, you're talking to this person at the party, telling him that, and he has like a cheeky smile. Uh, and, and he says to you, well, actually, I've known all these years who that person is. are like, yeah, who? And he says, well, it was Andy. You know, he you know that, yeah, he did it secretly he, he cares about you he, he loved you and he said, oh, I'll save his life, I'll get my kidney." You wow tell me, would your view on me change at all? <laughs> yes, great, that's affirmation good uh, it will it will your knowledge of me having given my kidney for you would definitely change your attitude towards me. You would probably find the quickest way to get in contact with me. You, you would, you know, ask me all kinds of questions. Why did you do that? How was it? You, you would, you know, want even to become my friend and, and, and understand and, and thank me. Thank you for that. You would definitely be bothered with me. So, if you would bother about Someone who would give a kidney for you. Why wouldn't you bother with someone who has bothered to come down from his uh, heavenly throne uh, to give his life on, uh, on a cross, which is a very painful torture, um, for you to save your life so that you can have free forgiveness, so that you can have new life, so that you can be reconciled to God? So that you can enjoy life in its fullness, finally, in the way that it's meant to be. Friends, why bother with Jesus? Well, just a simple, He bothered with you. Now, um, what I'm going to do now is... um, Maybe you, today you, you realize that you, you, this is something new to and you, and you feel yourself you know, driven to, to Christ and to God, and you want to say yes to Him. You want to accept this forgiveness. Um, you, you want to you know, commit your life to Him. I would hate to let pass the opportunity, so what I'm going to do is offer a very short prayer. And what you can do is just pray with me and make that yours. Um, because it is between you and God. Um, so that, that will be something very short. Just basically saying, God, I'm sorry for, for my sins. I'm sorry for ignoring you. I acknowledge that you've come for me, to serve me. You love me and you give me forgiveness. Um, and that's very short, just a very short prayer. Now, if you're not there, I understand that. Y- even if you, you were totally bored in the talk, I also understand that. Um, but what we are going to have is, uh, as we said, there's a table with books in there. If you have any questions, if, if, if any question has come to your mind at all, please check out. We have great books there that answer very good questions. Uh, Dave, Emily, and me, Peter will be around. Ask, ask question. You know, what are you talking about? I didn't get any of anything of what you said. What this Christ thing about? What's what's Christianity? Ask us. Don't don't leave without asking us. Okay. Um, some of, the free, some of the books will be free, um, so, so please do take them, take them with you. Right, um, so what I'd like to do is, is, if you feel like, like saying yes to God, um, please just pray with me, it will only be 20 seconds, it won't be anything magical, but just, just a turning to God. Um, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I I thank you that, that you're God, and I thank you so much that you bother uh, with me, that you came for me to to pay for my sins, to to pay for everything that I've done wrong. I'm sorry for for ignoring you, for for not coming to you and living my my life in my own way, and um, I I acknowledge what you've done on the cross and I thank you for that um, I want that forgiveness to be mine and I pray that you'll, you'll, you'll give it to me Lord Jesus I, I pray that um, you will make me a new person and uh, that I'll be reconciled with you and I thank you that it is possible because of what done, you've done on the cross so I, I turn to you and I put my trust in you and And I will follow you um, wherever you have me go. Amen.